Hey, hi, hello. Welcome to the after party where I'm still recovering from that long, long setup to a horse pun. Eric, how dare you? <laughs> it's the longest ah. pun setup of all puns. I, at some point during the game, just sat back and shook my head. And Brandon looked at me like, oh, my God, are you OK? And then I whispered, nightmare. And he goes, God damn it. <laughs> Is this more Rapidash, Ponita? It's um, like dark Rapidash. Like Flareon situation. Maybe? Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I got a picture in the, in the monster manual. Oh, Here so it's go. it's Ponita. That is just Ponita, but black. Yep, actually in the same pose as Ponita. Yep. Which one? Ponita. What is this wrong so- emphasis of the wrong syllable? Uh, Do you think it's Ponita? It's Ponita. No, Mr. It Galega. Is not. Let's not discuss wow. this. Wow. Wow. It was <laughs> <laughs> a good bird. <laughs> it is Ponita. Whatever. It's Rapidash. <laughs> in any case, I'm sure that this horse looks demonic and scary, and the fact that it can fly is just a whole nother game. Does it have wings, or is it just flying? Actually, that's a very good question. Um, nightmares are created when cultists... I have, I have too big of a meal before bed. No. <laughs> <laughs> when you watch uh, Twin Peaks before falling asleep on your couch. Your first mount in World of Warcraft if you're a warlock. Oh, there you go. Good job. <laughs> a nightmare is created when cultists get a hold of a pegasus and, like, through a ritual, rip its wings off. <gasps> and, like, then it becomes a fiend and evil. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't like this game That's anymore. That's horrifying. Monster Manual Man. When you find Steed, you can get a nightmare. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, are these cultists alive in our game? Can I revenge this horse? Well, this is a little bit different. This is a figurine of wondrous power. You can take like a figure, a special magical figurine that is in the shape of an animal. And if you say the command word, it turns from a figurine into the thing. So this one is called the Obsidian Steed, which turns into a nightmare. Interesting. Yeah. No wings were clipped in the uh, filming of JTP. Exactly. I really like items that go from like immobile nothing to animal. Uh, The figurine of wondrous power and then the bag of tricks is another one where it's like really a big bag that has like balls of yarn in it. But if you take one out and you throw it, it turns into a certain animal depending on what the color is and what your dice roll is. I'm sorry. You just described Pokemon. It's pretty much Pokemon. <laughs> if I shoot a Pokeball out of my cannon towards this horse, we can capture it. This is my plan now. Okay, how about a magical Chia pet where there's just accelerated growth into a like carnivorous vine that mm-hmm. just eats anything in its path? Mm-hmm. How about that? I like this That's a called lot. bamboo. That's yeah, that real. Uh, mint, actually. Just Eric's mint as well. takes over oh, yeah. anything. Eric's yeah. just writing notes on his. <laughs> no. yeah. Magic Chia pet add to. Now, and would booster. it be Garfield shaped? Cha 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 Chia. Oh my God, what if as a wedding favor, there were Alonzo and Greg shaped Chia pets? That would be a freaking adorable I wedding favor. That. I want it too. I want it. It would just be long flowing plants. Looking lovingly at each other with yeah. a little heart between them. You can make them kiss. Yeah. <laughs> well, the master of impulsive actions for this game today was Fish. It wasn't Tracy for once. Fish, can you walk us through your mindset here? <laughs> we wake up, you do some Tai Chi, you really center yourself. You press to dig your favorite activity, and um, you walk out onto the pool deck and immediately kill one of our fellow contestants. Well, apparently, 
the Tai Chi instead really gave me an adrenaline rush this morning. I guess. Player Mikey is a little punchy this morning. Not in a bad way. I'm having fun. But uh, didn't really have enough personal constitution. Michael didn't have enough personal constitution to deal with Kevin Vacation. So something had to be done. I think it also works in a few ways. It worked because one, Tracy is able to go and start punching the scenery to try to leave. Mm -hmm. Johnny is going to send a different kind of direct message, which is we ain't playing around. Boom. Kill one of your contestants. So I kept asking, annoyingly asking to the point that the three other people in this room were like, they understand. Don't worry. I kept asking, does the representative get what I did there? Do they understand? <laughs> is my message uh, coming is across? Is my message clear? Can I make an insight check to see if the representative <laughs> understands my threat? Yeah. that we're... It's not really a threat when you murder someone. <laughs> we it's aren't just... going to play this yeah, game for just murder. Let's Flag just be ground. very clear. I was ready in the moment to cast uh, Spare the Dying. I wasn't going to kill an endangered species. I was just going to make sure... That a message was sent. Well, no, but you did. Like, you did murder them. You just, like... Brought like, them back to life. Okay, but... I'm that good. First step is murder. What I love about this is that Kevin Vacation is this very rare type of elf that has wings. Like, I found this buried in Sword Coast, I think. That there's, like, a type of elf that, like, has wings. And it's very, like... They're, like, really close to the fae. And they're, like, fae touched. They're, like, one way. step before Celestial. ascending. Yeah. Like, straight up an angel. Yeah. And Fish just like, it's like he punched a bald eagle in the face. <laughs> okay, but that bald eagle doesn't go, what's that? <laughs> so, like, I'm not gonna, like, punch a bald eagle, but I will Eldritch Blast a Kevin. <laughs> I mean, if a bald eagle did do that, I'd punch it. I am justified. <laughs> and I guess oh my, my version of that, this game, was going up to the representative and being like, hey, how do I win this game? Like, what what you doing? So, I, I don't really know any other way to say to the representative, like, what are we all doing here? And is this as straightforward as it appears? I personally don't see the three of us playing ball to the end of this entire thing if it were to go without us interfering with how this goes. Yeah. If that is Tracy getting instructions because he tried to break down the literal world, Johnny killing contestants so this goes faster, or Inar just being like very straightforward, yo, give me what I want. Yeah, we went to one party and we're playing ball for as long as we need to, meaning as short as we possibly need to, to yeah. get what we need. The amount of effort and awesome moves that Eric has put together to make us play ball, like he has not been off mic been like, guys, just play along. It's like, yeah, we are no, actively we're... trying to sabotage your game like as players and you have been able to steer us all in the directions and poke us and prod us in the right ways to get us back on track. No, please kick kick my sand kick someone in the face in my sandbox. Um, don't uh, don't do that, guys. Anyone maybe listening? knock over my sandcastle. That's a little bit more. Don't knock over people's sandcastle. That's emotionally that's really rude. Oh, that's true. That's Just true. Just be cool to each other. I'm gonna like throw a shell at the turret of my sandcastle. Just eldritch blast no. people you don't like. Okay. I always get a little bit worried the fact that we play D and D on mic that it's just like not as loose and you guys do what I want. Especially for this one where it's a little more involved and I've literally set up rules like of a contest like the game inside of a game, I have even more structure. So, like, I want you to mess around and my world will be resilient enough to bounce back. It's I mean, almost we, like your world is made of, like, mud. Some mud viscous, like, really just, something you know, that substance can be that can take a lot of, yeah, like, like, elastic. Yeah. Yeah, really like a, like a building block of yeah, narrative. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
I just want to do a quick shout out to the NPC names that I did used. Uh, Noto Odo, that is Rachel Noto. Papa Ross is Ross Papa. You have a great name. I just switched your <laughs> Gee, name. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I just switched your name. And um, we didn't get to this, but the halflings in the jacket, uh, one was Darcy and one was Kennedy, which is your full name, Darcy. So thank you for giving me your names and your these rich, goofy people. I want to give a shout out to Michelle Nicolaisen, who is running the podcast uh, Serendipity City, which is set in the 1920s. And she has a lot of like anarchist groups running around but they're like embedded in unions and embedded in like in companies and they just kind of want to like shake shit up and i was thinking about the red throat gang when she was talking about her podcast and i'm like i have this anarchist group and they don't really do anything they're just like these regular old bad guys so i was like what would be the craziest thing that they want to happen during this challenge it's like oh if an ooze won this it's obviously a farce and it proves like the way that anarchists like can just show things through demonstration, like a public demonstration. So it doesn't always have to be like murder. It can be like farcical it's, and ridiculous. It's destabilizing in another way that isn't violence, which I think is really interesting. Satirical art is the same way, like painting people in power in ridiculous situations and, you know, making like the institution of this leadership and this kind of like oligarchy situation that we have going on seem crazy, you know, and silly is one way to do it. And I think that's all great. And I super support any kind of resistance of any kind of whatever in peaceful or in farcical ways. But when our first introduction of the Red Throat Gang is multiple times attempted murder, I personally am going to label anyone who's part of this group. Like, this is a real problem for groups that have a sordid past. They're trying to yeah, change. Especially decentralized, right. Absolutely. It's a marketing problem. We literally just dealt with the Retro Gang not too far a uh, time ago. So Johnny and Michael have uh, no patience for these uh, terrorists, uh, um, I will call them. Tra Tracy's not a terrorist. <laughs> I, I just... Honestly, you are uh, – I mean, I don't know this. Johnny does not know this. But if Johnny does find out. It's a real debate though, right? Like the enemy of my enemy is my friend maybe is the kind of the strategy that Tracy is going with here. I, Amanda, um, you know, am speculating, but I would not work with those guys. I would probably put them at dagger point on site. No, I, I, I hear you. I think that was the debate that was going on in my head of how I wanted to play that situation. There was three options. There was one where I just take out my great axe at the moment and kill them. There was enemy. Thanks of for not doing that. My world isn't that resilient. <laughs> yeah, death is kind of permanent. Except for sort of, um. <laughs> spare the dying is sometimes, a thing. You can sometimes spare the dying. you come back a foot shorter. You know, it's yeah. just it oh, just that. happens. Yes, <laughs> uh, maybe blue. Second option was the enemy of my enemy is my friend situation, where I play along and then stop playing along. And the third situation is what I think is happening is that Tracy's done this before. He's been undercover. This is what his whole career was before adventuring. Mm -hmm. He knows what he's doing. He plays his naivety to his advantage. And I think in the end, we'll see what happens. But I think in the end, his goal is to take these people in. I'm excited. I sometimes forget that Tracy's putting on the naivete sometimes. I'm a really good actor. And it's, not, <laughs> it's not that I'm forgetful or like bad. No, it's I'm very good. I mean, it definitely helps. I I believe it when I'm controlling the characters, then good for me. And, and your roles really do help with that usually. Yeah. <laughs> and I true. think it made the most interesting choice. So here we are. Yeah. Um, I think this is also like the difference between cities. They're willing to kill Alonzo, but they want to do a public demonstration in Tortopolis, which the representative said is like a look down upon city, city state. 
I think I really want to make clear that like all of the city states are different here, mm. just as much in like landscape as one is a city on the hill and one is literally in the ground. Would you say that it's an underdog? <laughs> I would. I would say that you're the front runner. You can't even make this joke. <laughs> um, I definitely want like their status and the way that people interact with their city-state government to change as well. And how does it feel to know that Chad the Ooze is going to beat you? Just um, asking you. As I got $20 on Chad. You know, it is difficult when you're painted as the front runner early on because mm-hmm. that makes you a big target, right? Yeah, it makes, so, it means you're going to lose, I think. Or you can have a redemption arc and lose status only to gain it back in the end, mm-hmm. which is going to be my strategy. Mm-hmm. I would like to know how you feel about... A girl you were crushing on is turns out to be your cousin. Listen, it's happened to the best of us. <laughs> Second cousin. That's pretty far apart. Also, I was, I will, I will. Okay, so there's, there's a thing. <laughs> we're, <laughs> and, we're just going to let that slide? And now I mean, look, the justification for. I try really hard, hard not to judge, but like genetics and stuff, you know, it ain't good. Doesn't look good. Listen. This is a fantasy world. There's cousin sex times happening all the time. Is this a fantasy world in like the 17th century? What, what goes on about? in the Great Green that we don't know about? <laughs> exactly. It's a very closed off community. We have discussed before, life goals or wife goals is a thing that ladies experience where I talk to ladies also. And so you can just be like awestruck by somebody and be unsure if it's, you know, someone you want to date or someone you want to be. So I'm going to go ahead and retcon that it's someone that Nara wanted to be and not <laughs> to make out with. I don't get to retcon that. No. <laughs> That's the thing about having an audio medium where we keep everything on tape. In our wouldn't be freaked out by it. What I am slightly freaked out by is that she has my same story. This has felt like something that only I experienced, only I ever would experience you know and so to have somebody see th- right into the most secret part of my life i think we're rolling with it for now but we'll see where that ends up nice rolling what i want to see is you guys play marbles like actually play marbles oh, see yeah. what happens when two of those marbles collide yeah and okay can kind of like lay between us like the tennis judge the looking back and forth umpire person <laughs> and uh it would be it would be cute i gotta have to teach you guys how to play marbles i think you play for keeps too if you win you get our marbles that is how you play marbles you yes. play for pinks. and then you kill her well we'll see maybe it summons my good friend the guy the guy who gave the marbles or yeah your good good mar- friend the guy my good good friend your What's good, his good name? friend the guy who showed up with a halberd on <laughs> yeah yeah the good friend of mine the head of the Assassin's Guild. <laughs> you know how we're best friends. We're, we're very good friends. This is, <laughs> I'm going to say it until it is true. It's like, I know that guy. We're good friends. Well, we summer I, uh... together in the <laughs> Southern Concentra. Does he also wear socks and sandals? Or... Mon- <laughs> Montocopolis. <laughs> Hamptopolis. Rehobothoptolis. <laughs> we have some questions for the after party. Let's do it. This one comes from our email. Remember, you can reach us for after-party questions through our email at hello at jointhepartypod.com, through Twitter or Facebook, or on our Discord in the After Party channel, which, get out of my lawn, kids. <laughs> but but we have to invite them into our lawn Okay, to come to my questions. Come to my lawn, ask the question, and then, and then get, get off out. my lawn. Come to my it's lawn, like, be respectful like about reverse, my lawn. It's like reverse trick-or-treating. You come onto our porch, ring the bell, give us a question, and then go into the other channels. <laughs> Don't touch my gnomes. Um, this one. <laughs> Can we talk about how buck wild doxies are? Like the fact that in Harry Potter, I'm sorry, this is the wrong multitude podcast, but like. In... Sorry, do you want me to call up Shubes for <laughs> can, you? Can you please do it I right would. now? Actually call him and put them on the fucking microphone right, while sure. we do this? All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Good. 
who calls people anymore? Oh, when you were on this the good pod- podcast. Hey, Shoops. Hey, what's up, Eric? We're recording, and Amanda <laughs> has some whack, wacky shit to say about Harry Potter. Uh, do you want to listen okay. to her while she does that? Sure. Okay. I was you're, just saying. Tell me he's on mic. Oh, you're also on the microphone. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Okay. Hello, everyone. Hey, welcome. Thanks for guesting on Join the Party. <laughs> welcome to the after party. Oh, wow. I'm really excited to uh, begin the gala. I'm really excited to attend the shindig. I'm really excited <laughs> to uh, be at the event. There Welcome to Friendship with Shoes. This is good. <laughs> so my my hot take is that isn't it buck wild how like underfay or like non speaking creatures are treated in Harry Potter? Like they just kick oh, doxies yeah. around like moths in the burrow before Christmas that one time. They were just like kicking gnomes around, literally kicking them, and it is so crazy. Like Hermione's made fun of for wanting house elf rights, but they just completely like murder and mistreat other species that aren't like four-legged centaurs or something defend yourself and all of harry potter no i don't amanda's point is exactly correct because like even when people are like oh yeah hagrid he's great and then people like hagrid's half giant and everyone's like i don't like hagrid anymore like it is it's very strange they treat the giant strangely even with lupin the werewolf everyone's like lupin's the best teacher ever and someone's like oh he's a werewolf everyone's like just kidding i don't like lupin anymore you guys are wizards what are you talking about like yeah isn't that like a prominent feature in the Harry Potter games? Like the tutorials are always like doing yes. chore, doing chores yes. at the burrow, and it's always like throwing. What are the the guys who are underground, and then you pull them out, and they go. Um, they've been known. They've been known. They've been in the they do the things with like the little fairies that they have to like get out of Grimald's place. Doxies. Yes. Like, like these. Yes, they're these pests, but they're still like sentient like beings. It's not like getting rid of termites or something. These are like. It's very I know, that like they respect the super high pedestal above everything else that exists. They respect Aragog. They respect the centaurs. They fear the giants, but whatever, they can live their lives. Dragons, they you know have whole economies set up to deal with them and like give them a sanctuary and give them a nice place to live. And like fuck you, doxies. It's ugh, it's crazy. <laughs> but isn't this how the... I goblins like the ones that work in Gringotts and everything? They make fun of those all the time. Yeah, because they're just supposed to be Jews. They're yeah, very obviously yeah. Jews. Unfortunately, very. Yeah. I mean, you can see from the movies. Yeah, yeah. said that that one Jewish kid was definitely in Harry Potter. It's like he was definitely there celebrating Hanukkah <laughs> during the fucking. Oh my god, I don't want to go off on that again. Oh yeah, do they only celebrate Christmas? I don't see a single uh, only menorah. Christmas. Only no, Christmas. Only Christmas. No dreidels. No Eid. No Hanukkah. No nothing. You can tell that Harry Potter functions within like the larger fantasy context because like race of like creature also means race like in person. And you're only when you're scared of a thing or it can hurt you, then do you give it respect. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. I don't know, maybe. I agree with hot take. Cool. Thanks, Shubes. Thank you, Shubes. Thank, thanks for talking to us. Bye, Shubes. Bye. Oh, Thank you. You guys all roll uh, some sick nat 20. Aww. Good. Very good. Thanks, bud. <laughs> See you guys later. Bye. Okay. This question is from Elise Armstrong. And the subject, because his email, is driving the struggle bus. Love, Love it. it. Love it already. I shortened this just to get it all out there, but Elise is asking... I participated as a PC in an amazing group that, despite including seven players, was hilarious in a well-developed campaign. Unfortunately, I moved out of state and had to find myself another group. My newfound friends are interested in playing, but we had no DM. And then, you know, you have to do the thing where she has to DM and teach everybody how to play. After two sessions of character building and five sessions of the campaign, things are not going as well as I planned. 
I knew the process would be slow going, but each week I'm increasingly more annoyed with my group of five players. I don't want to be that DM, but a few of my players are not putting in as much effort as I want. Each session moves at a glacial speed because I have to re-explain basic concepts. Uh, she also explains more how the players just like are not putting in the effort, or it seems like they're not putting in the effort to learn the game while there are two people who are like really know their character she didn't really want to play some of the other ones are just like really making this move slowly so are my expectations for players too high what is a good timeline for learning the game how can i incorporate the learning process into our sessions should i hold a session to explain the mechanics like an after party or should i put my foot down and stop hand holding I'm figuratively hitting my head against the table when we play. I don't want to be a DM tyrant, but I may have to drive this struggle bus off a cliff and my folks don't get organized. I like uh, Elise. That was a great email. Yeah, this this is something that happens to a lot of people, I think, just off the bat. Yeah, I'm, I think every DM has this experience. I think we literally had this experience, the first run through of what was like the pre-beta, like super alpha version of Join the Party was... You, you and know, me being a dick to Eric? <laughs> Technically speaking, yes. <laughs> it's tough because you put so much effort into something when as a DM, really, you're like, you're the ultimate support person. You are building and doing so much work so that others can like build and play with you and have their own adventures. And when there are people who aren't appreciating it, it just hurts so much because they don't know or don't realize that what they're doing is hurting you because you're putting so much effort into it. But they are, and you know, sometimes they just won't get it. If I've said once, I said a thousand times, I've been DM a lot, I've played a lot. It happens, it hurts. Sometimes you can fix it, sometimes you can get that group to work out, sometimes you can't. I guess in terms of your specific situation, here's some advice that I would give. Have a frank conversation with your players asking what it is they're looking out of the game. One of the biggest uh, misconceptions about D&D is that it's all about going into a dungeon and fighting some dragons because it's usually called Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's weird how people think that. I know. Crazy. But, you know, as we've said in other after parties, you could be accountants in space. You could be chefs. Uh, you can do whatever you want. And it's about finding something that you as the DM and them as the players really clicks on. There's something happening in that game that if you have two people who are really into it, really putting in the work, as you say, and the other two aren't the first step, if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt is to find out what it is that got them interested in D and D. It honestly might be that they just want to hang out in which case you say, guys, let's do board game nights and you don't play D and D with them. And you start playing D and D with just the other two who are into it and maybe find others because there's the other side of this where they might just be going along with this and not really be interested. And that sucks. Definitely sucks for you because you've put a lot of work and effort into it, but it happens. You're doing the best you can. You do have to kind of be that DM and be like, what is it that you guys want to do? Because I'm seeing that you guys aren't as interested as maybe you could be. And that's okay. Let's find a way to make this work or end it. Because you're putting a lot of time and effort into it and, you know, one thing that's great about D&D is that you can take your character that you built and like you had in another game and move it to another one. And that's for the two players. But you as the DM, you can take the world and all the work you've done and, you know, you can try again. You do version two. I have something called the Western Reaches that I've done five or six times and each time it gets better. And 
you can do the same thing. I don't see this as a negative. It sucks now. Absolutely. But this is only going to be a positive for you because you get to evolve and move on. Yeah. I think the answer to the first question is, are my expectations for the players too high? It's both yes and no. Yeah. It's like you can't get people who don't want to play to play. But if they really didn't have a problem with what's happening here, like they would probably have picked it up by now. Um, this is the second question, which is what is a good timeline for learning the game? Mm. Uh, Amanda, how do you feel about picking this up? We've what are we on? Like at um, the time of recording, we've played 25 or 26 sessions of, you know, three ish hours. Yeah, and you've played like uh, four other games. So you played yeah. D&D like 30 times. How do you feel about how to learn how to play the game? Well, I still have to look up sneak attack every time it comes up. So I will say this till the day I die. Rogues are hard. Thank you. <laughs> rogues are secretly the hardest non-magic users. By now, you know, it's both getting to know our dynamic as players and getting to know the game. Something that I really appreciate that Eric did as as the DM early on for me is when he said, what do you want to do? And I just looked at him blankly. He came back with, okay, so you can do, you know, one of three things. And when I needed it, you know, he was able to extend to me like, well, okay, so you're in the dungeon and you can go down the hallway, you can go back into your cell, or you can like, you know, look around and see if there's like other things that you aren't aware of yet. And so until I was able to ask things like, it took me maybe 15 sessions to remember that I can do checks like I can do perception checks on places like I just kept forgetting and so I would see Brandon and Fish do them and be like shit like that's right I forgot or I you know wouldn't use my items or I forgot that I had abilities to do things in combat that weren't just like punch and stab so just for me that kind of menu of options I kept looking down at my character sheet and being like I don't know what's here so something Fish did for me is make a, a mage hand magic card like he has spell cards for all of his spells as Johnny and made one for me for mage hand so in combat maybe it's you know having a few flashcards in front of you and being like I can run away I can punch I can stab I can use my longbow or I can do mage hand if you have a cantrip whatever so just making more concrete instead of just an open world where you can do whatever you want whenever you want and like you know you have to it felt to me like I had to be way more creative than I was able to be having discrete options that I can choose from and then incorporate into the role play was for me really huge so giving your players perhaps the benefit of the doubt for a second they might be a little bit overwhelmed and giving them options or asking them like what is challenging to you in this moment you know it feels like you're failing at least for me, when I just kind of sat there blankly not saying anything, you know, and and wasn't sure what to do. So that could be overwhelming and scary. And for me, having a limited choice of things that I could choose from until I was ready to move out of that really helped me to kind of open up as a player. Yeah. And one suggestion could be that maybe you should try a different uh, system. D&D 5 is amazing, but it is also like it might not be the best one for you. It, I mean, it's I definitely open. It's very open while four is a little more limiting in that it gives you, it makes you have to pick and choose as opposed to just say anything. And definitely don't do three five because you can do anything you want. Um, <laughs> Literally, which I love, but it's not for everyone. I think yeah. At the end of this, it's like putting your foot down is not a bad thing. Yeah. Sometimes you need to be like I always say, the dungeon master is sometime dungeon mom, and you just gotta like let them know. Brandon, you've run a game for all newbies. Um, how did you teach them how to play? So this is actually super interesting because I did run into the same thing where. Two players really loved it. One player liked it, but it's just different expectations, like Fish, what you were saying. So, like, what I did in the beginning was I did hold a session zero where I walked through, to be honest, I ended up rolling their characters for them and, like, walking through them and everything, and I think that was helpful for understanding how the mechanic worked. But I'm a big believer in 
And it's just how I learn, like diving in and you sort of learn along the way. But that doesn't work for everyone. So you have to sometimes run through the mechanics that way. One thing that I've heard from other folks is they sometimes give people D&D podcasts to listen to. There's an abundance of them and they're all different. So there's ones like Critical Role that's basically just a mic on a table and you hear exactly how things work. There's things like Taz, which is very story focused. Mechanics are minimal. (laughs) So you can use those to kind of figure out what your players want to do. They actually just want to hang out, as Fish said, and eat pizza and drink beer. Those are fun. I've had those sessions. Like You're just actually just hanging out with this loose reason to get together but you actually just want to hang out then there's also games where it's a trust exercise where you're saying we're entering this room like we play on jtp we're entering this room we are going to be role-playing open and vulnerable that's hard to get people to trust you to do that it's another style of gameplay but uh, yeah at the end of the day like everyone's a newbie at some point so a little hand-holding is not so bad but i do think when you get down to seven sessions someone's expectations and someone's desires are different from what you're doing. And that's fine. You just have to figure out how to address those best. I I can't express that enough, how much this must suck because you're putting so much effort. It's, it does happen though. It's sort of like, like dating in a way where you kind of just like have to click or not click yeah. and decide yeah. whether or not these people are like worth the extra effort it might take to get to that click point. Or not, you know what I mean? And we're and, definitely, to be clear, not saying they're not worth the effort of being friends or- Absolutely not. Or yeah. hanging out. It's just maybe this d and is just not the right thing for them. That's completely okay. And actually, I really recommend the podcast Friendshipping. If you, like most people, find the idea of like bringing someone your like big tender heart and putting it on the table and saying like, hey, this is how I feel and it's uncomfortable and blah- They give you some really good scripts for how to have conversations with your friends about stuff that might be vulnerable or slightly icky or slightly hard. May I suggest uh, laser tag is also a fun alternative. Mm. Mm. Um, Yes. Rock climbing. Good way. No, laser tag. Especially Uh, if it's like you guys against a lot of little kids. Yeah. (laughs) uh, And then eating uh, cookies in front of their faces and not sharing. Mixology class. Ooh, Ooh that's good. And then drinking in front of those kids and not sharing. Go-karts after the mixology class. And then also running no, probably before. Kid. I would say before. No, you want to you go drunk go-kart driving, trust me. Brandon, do you <laughs> Is that know legal? how drinking and driving... <laughs> in a go-kart like, works? Like the theme. Like the theme of... Have you heard of that? I have. Uh, I think the last thing I would say is that you want to do an after-party style session. That is a really interesting way to dive it. I've actually never thought of it doing it off of like audio, but I think if you're going to do it in person... And if you're running the game, it's like you do the thing. I'm trying to like tap into my my teacher brain here. It's like you do it and then they don't understand what it is. So you spend extra time and you showing them how to do it. Then you need to reintroduce it into your game and then see if they have learned uh, when you do it. So it's like if you want to talk about like being stealthy and like how do you avoid guards like and role playing that. And like real, doing a real like stealth mission, then it's like okay, you could have done all of these things and you didn't, and like you show them their character sheet. And I feel like you got to do another stealthy thing to see if they learned from that. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the After Party. As always, we would love to hear your questions. If you are a member of our patron-only Discord, you can leave those in the After Party Questions channel. Everyone else can tweet them to us. You can email them to us. You can Tumblr or Facebook message them to us. We are at Join the Party Pod on all the places. And our email is hello at jointhepartypod.com.
Over on our Patreon, you can get access to all kinds of amazing things. For just five bucks, you can enter the NPC lottery. You can read the NPC stories that Eric creates for every single episode and have your name entered to be maybe two goblins in a trench coat. Maybe it's a, a scary person with a beard. Maybe it's, I don't know, the name of the knight on the chessboard. But there are lots of opportunities for you to be involved in our game going forward. And that is exclusively available to our patrons. So that's patreon.com slash join the party pod. And the very best way for you to help us that costs no money at all is to have a friend subscribe to the show. Maybe it's someone that you know would love fantasy stuff. Maybe it's someone that you watch reality TV with every week and yell at the screen. Now you can yell at your headphones together. So find a friend, someone that you think would love the show, help them download podcasts, have them subscribe. It it really, really goes a long way to helping grow the show. So until next time. Bye, guys. See you later. Undying Light be with you. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.